Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we're continuing our series on the ABCs of faith, the fundamentals of faith, which is essential for us to walk and talk and operate in faith. Last time we saw the importance of faith, that without faith it's impossible to please God. Why is it important? Because it's faith is what connects us to the grace of God. Everything that God gives us is the grace of God, purchased through the blood of Jesus. But, if the, but faith is necessary to unite and connect us with the grace of God. And so our faith reaches out and receives the grace of God. And so it's grace and faith together that make the difference. And I want to just make it very clear that there is a danger here when we start talking about faith that we can, we're not wanting to overemphasize faith at the expense of God's grace. In other words, the idea is not that we become obsessed about our faith, do I have enough faith, and all our eyes are on ourselves and our faith. In fact, the first principle of faith really is that is it's all about the grace of God. It connects us to the grace of God. In other words, faith looks to God as its source, not to itself. So faith, uh, unbalanced faith teaching is when we get centered on our faith. Do I have enough faith and so on, so that our eyes are not on Christ? And it's Christ sending his grace to us by his spirit. So the more you talk about the grace of God, the easier it is to believe and receive and, and operate in faith. And so we need to see Christ. We need to see God as our source. And as we meditate on that, then faith will arise. You know, if somebody's finding it difficult to receive from God, it really doesn't tell them you don't have enough faith. That's just going to paralyze them even more. No, feed them the grace of God. And as they do, as they see God bigger and bigger, their faith will easily arise and receive. And so we preach Christ. But faith is necessary to receive the grace of God, and so we need to understand the principles of faith to operate accurately in that area. But I want you to realize faith means that we're looking to God as our source. It's not just believing for healing, but it's trusting in the Lord who is our healer. It's looking to the Lord. And therefore, faith only functions in the light of fellowship with God. But anyway, since faith is so important, we should ask the question, what is faith? And often this is the missing ingredient in faith teaching that you hear. I find that nobody really deals with that issue. And as a result, nobody really knows what faith is. To them, it's a bit of a mystery. Uh, it's important. We're meant to do things by faith. But we're not exactly sure what faith is or if I've got enough of it. And so we can be in confusion and paralyzed in living in our life of faith. Faith is the core principle of our life, but if we don't know what it is, if we don't know the basic ABCs, how can we go on to doing amazing things by faith? So it's important to know what faith is, and it isn't dealt with. Some people just make it mysterious. Well, you know when you've got faith. In other words, it's a feeling. Well, you can't be going by feelings. So another confusion is the saying, faith is an act. No, that's nonsense. Faith is an attitude of the heart. Now, faith will result in action, but faith by itself is an attitude of the heart. Now, if you don't know what faith is, how can you know when you have it? And how can you then use it? How can you release it if you don't know you have it? 
like the Bible says, take up the shield of faith. Well, if you don't know what the shield of faith is, how can you p possibly take it up and use it? You need to know what faith is. Otherwise, you'll never know if you've got it. Um, if, if you don't, you'll end up going by feelings. And the flesh will usually tell you, oh, you don't have enough faith. And, and you get trapped there. And you'll never use it. And so, telling people they should use their faith before they even know if they have it or have enough of it, it's like trying to get people to write long sentences before they even know the ABCs. It's like getting them to try and do fractions before they even know what addition means. And 2 Corinthians 13.5 is interesting. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? In other words, you should be able to examine yourself. He says, there's a danger indeed that you are disqualified. In other words, you should be able to tell know what faith is and whether you have faith. Um, you, can, you should know that. There's a way you should know it. And I want to share that with you today, what faith is. Well, Romans 1.16 says, We're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And then in verse 17 it says, For in it the righteousness of God, the salvation of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just by faith shall live by faith. From faith to faith means from one step of faith to the next step of faith, to the next level of faith. And then it talks about the just shall live by faith. Or should it be the just by faith shall live, which is right. They're both right because those are the two levels of faith. You see, first of all, you are justified by faith. You're saved by faith. That's what got you saved in the first place. That's the first step. But now you're saved by faith, you are to live by faith. You are to live your whole life by faith, depending on God and receiving his life by faith. And so in the same way that you got saved by faith, we are to live by faith. So in order to learn what faith is, I think the best way to do that is to look at salvation. Look at saving faith, because the Bible says you were saved through faith, faith alone. Now, your Christian life is faith plus works, but when you were saved, you were saved by faith alone. So if we want to have a good portrait of what faith is, let's look at saving faith. And then I want, as we do that, I want you to examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith, uh, as God defines it. Now, what I find an easy way to explain faith, the th there are three components under the acrostic CAT, K-A-T. And uh, the first one, is K, stands for knowledge. Do you realize you can't believe beyond your knowledge of God and his word? Faith starts with knowing. Faith is based on fact, knowing the facts. You can't believe beyond your knowledge of God's word in order to be saved. You needed to have a knowledge of the gospel, that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead, that he offers himself to you as Lord and Savior. You need a basic knowledge of the gospel before you can be saved. And so saving faith is based on facts, on knowledge. And so faith, first of all, involves the mind, the intellect. You have to know something. That's the first foundation for faith. Now, just knowing the facts of the gospel or the promise of God is not faith yet, but it is the necessary foundation for faith. 
One analogy for faith is sight. It's, faith is like your sixth sense. It's spiritual sight. An unbeliever is described as someone who is blinded. They cannot see spiritual realities. Either they, they've never heard of spiritual realities, uh, or they've deliberately closed their eyes to it. Either way, they're blinded. They can't see the spiritual. They don't have even that knowledge, possibly. But when faith comes to the heart, and faith comes to the mind, through the word of God, God reveals himself, and the light starts coming turned on on the inside. The entrance of his word gives light. And you begin to see spiritual realities. You begin to have knowledge of who God is and salvation and his son Jesus Christ. And that's how faith begins, with a spiritual sight, a spiritual knowledge. Praise God. The darkness disappears and there is a knowledge that comes to you. And, and, but this isn't faith yet. Having, you might know, you might have gone to Sunday school, you might have a knowledge of the Christian faith, but that doesn't mean you have faith as certainly not saving faith. Now, we all have a natural faith, by the way. That's like an ability to trust in people or things, you know, based on evidence from our senses. For example, I'm trusting in, in I could sit in a chair and trust that chair. I could trust in my bank to look after my money. I could trust in a friend to do what he's promised. That's our natural faith. But what we're talking about and what the Bible's talking about by faith is something different. It's a supernatural thing. Bible faith is faith in the God of the Bible and his promises. It deals with the invisible realm. It faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It, faith is that which sees the invisible. Because uh, God is a spirit and all his promises, his blessings are in spiritual form. So faith sees the invisible. Faith trusts the God of the Bible. And so faith is in the heart. And it's by the heart is our organ of spiritual sight by which we know about spiritual things and perceive spiritual things. Faith is the assurance of the reality of spiritual things being convinced of what we do not see. You see, we have five senses. Uh, sight, touch, taste, hearing, and smell. And faith deals with the invisible and intangible. That's like a sixth sense. All right? And the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. What that means is, of course we walk by our natural senses, those five senses, but faith is a sixth sense, and sometimes faith will tell us something that our other senses do not tell us. So which then do we walk by? Which do we put the greater faith in, as it were? And to, we are called to walk by faith. If God's word says something is true, my eyes don't see it, you know, I can't feel it, I can't touch it, I can't taste it, but God's word says it's true, then I walk by faith by that sixth sense, not by sight. Faith is our sixth sense. Because we have a spirit, we can have a spiritual sense and perception of the invisible realm. And so faith is ultimately in the heart, not the head. Just having knowledge is not enough by itself. It obviously needs more. I want you to notice that when you, you have five senses, but you will trust the evidence of just one sense 
even if the other four senses don't tell you. For example, you, you, the, you, you might not see a rat in the attic, but you can smell it. You can't touch it, you can't taste it, none of the other senses, but your smell tells you there's a rat. And you believe that. I might uh, be in the same room as you, and I can't smell you, I can't feel you, but I see you. And the evidence of that one sense, you might be quiet, I can't hear you, but the one sense is enough to tell me that you are there. The milk might look fine. I c it looks fine. And uh, it smells, you know, because I, but when I taste it, it's sour. I accept the evidence of the one sense, even when the other senses don't tell me. The wind, I feel it on my face. My touch tells me it's there, but I can't see it. I maybe can't hear it. I can't taste it, but I believe. You might be listening to a music CD. You can't see it, see that music. You can't feel it, you can't touch it, but you know it's there. Why? Because you can hear it. And so one sense is enough. And so, so it is with faith. You can't see God necessarily, you can't feel him, you can't taste him. The five senses don't touch him, contact him, but your, your faith sense knows that he's there. Praise God. And if you walk by faith, you accept the evidence of that one sense, even though the other senses are not able to verify that, we walk by faith, not by sight. So, first of all, faith is built on knowledge. Knowledge that God's word gives us. But that's not enough, obviously. A, the second in component of cat, A means agreement. You must agree with those facts. You must accept those facts. Assent, you must assent to those facts. You don't just know the word of God. You don't just know the gospel, but you actually agree that it is true. You must um, have knowledge. Y you agree that God is who he says he is. You agree about the gospel. You believe it. Another word would be you're, you're persuaded that it's true. You're convinced that it's true. And actually assent also involves the emotion. It's a positive response. You hear the gospel, you hear the good news, and, and you say it's true, I believe it. It's a positive response emotionally. You say, yes, that's right. But actually, that does not save you. Just knowledge and assent does not save you. That's where many people who think they're Christians, they think they're saved. But they only have the two components. They think they're saved because they believe the Christian faith. They have beliefs in their mind. They are persuaded that it's true. But do you know James 2.19 says you believe that there is one God? You do well. This is someone in church. He believes in God. James says, fine so far. But the demons also believe and tremble. In other words, that doesn't mean you're saved. Because the demons have not submitted their will to God. They have not trusted God. They are not saved. They believe there is a God. They know all about Jesus and that he died for them, he rose from the dead. Sorry, he didn't die for them, but he died and he rose from the dead. They believe all those things, but their belief doesn't save them because there's something not complete about it. They have a faith of sorts, they believe that there's a God, but they are, don't have a saving faith. And so there is a third component that's necessary. T, cat, knowledge, assent, trust.
So you need to judge yourself in any area where, for your salvation or receiving a promise of God. Do you have knowledge of that promise? Because if you don't even know about the promise, how can you possibly believe God for it? You also need to know about the person who made the promise, that he's faithful, that he's powerful enough to do it. You see, if I offered you something, you would make, say, 5,000 pounds. You would first of all have to know about it, and you would need to know something about me. And you make a judgment then and, uh, as to whether I'm able to do that for you, whether I'm willing to do it for you, whether I'm faithful to do it for you. And only when you actually have sufficient knowledge and that you actually agree that this is a true offer, then you have to a decision, make a decision. Will I go to the next step? The next step is T, which is trust. See, that's the, that's the key. That's often the missing ingredient. People have faith if they have assent, but that faith is not fully formed in their heart until they trust. Knowledge is about the mind. Assent is a response of the emotions. But that doesn't save you because also your will is, is necessary. And when you trust in Christ alone, when you, that is an act of your will. The attitude of the heart called faith is not just knowledge and emotional agreement that it's true, but also trust. It's a surrender and a trusting in the will. Praise God trust. You see, uh, there's a chair over here, and I can believe, I can have knowledge that this chair exists, and I can have knowledge that this chair would hold me up. I have an assent that I believe in that chair, it's real, it would hold me up. But that chair is not holding me up at the moment, is it? Because there's a missing ingredient. And what I have to do now is put my trust. And only when I put my trust in this chair and I trust, then it's holding me up now. I'm no longer trusting in myself, standing on my two feet, but I transfer my trust to the chair. And when I put my trust in the chair, then it holds me up. And in the same way, Jesus Christ, you can have knowledge of him. You can agree that the gospel's true, but only when you put your trust in him for eternal life. Only then are you saved. And so we must trust. The Bible says, that we must Im not just believe the promise is true, but we must embrace it and submit to his word. The Bible says, with the heart man believes into righteousness. Jesus said, believe into God and also into me. The words used about saving faith in the Bible, Jesus said things like, come unto me, repent, drink, receive, call upon me. These are all acts of the will. Not just of the mind and the emotions, but the will. Trusting in Christ. Turning to Christ. Receiving from Christ. Trusting, you see. And so, we must, 
Hebrews 11, for example, verse 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, that's the act of trust. You've got to come to God and receive salvation. But before you can come to him, those other two have to be in place. It says, you must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, you've got to have knowledge about God and his promises. You've got to know what he promises, and you've got to know something about God, that he's real, and that he's a good God who gives and is faithful to his promises. And once you have enough knowledge and you have agreed to that knowledge, then the next step is to trust, to actually come to him and receive. And that takes a decision, you see, a decision. And he that believes, it says, enters into rest. The moment you trust, like when you trust in the chair, the moment you trust, you enter into rest. And the moment you trust in Christ, faith is formed, fully formed now in your heart. You have an assurance in your heart. You enter into rest. Because you've trusted, you know that you, you, you receive it. Because faith doesn't just trust in Christ, but faith receives from Christ. The moment you trust in Christ, you receive his life. And so these three parts of faith are described wonderfully in Hebrews 11.13. Number one, it says, these men of God, having seen the promises afar off, that's knowledge, that's where it starts. As you hear the word of God, you first of all see God's promise for you. You, you, understand, you have knowledge of it. Then it says, they were assured of them. They were fully persuaded. They were convinced that the promise is true. But that's not enough. Then it says they embrace them. That's the trust. That's the decision to receive, to embrace the promise, to believe that they receive it. And then they have the faith. They, are, they have that saving faith. Then it says they confessed it. Once you have faith, then you release your faith by acting on your faith, by speaking your faith. It says they confessed by their life and by their lips in the way they lived, that they belonged to the Lord in heaven. They were strangers on this earth. That's how faith works, you see. But I want to show you something else about faith. Faith of trust is also a surrender. You know, when I sit and I trust in this chair, I'm also surrendering to it in a way. And in the same way, faith is also a surrender of the will to God. When you receive Jesus Christ... You have to know the facts of the gospel. You have to agree to them. But when you trust in Christ and receive Christ into your heart, you're trusting in the Lord God. You're, you're actually surrendering your life to him as your Lord. And that's in the nature of faith. When God gives you a promise for your life, when you trust it and accept it, are you not ex surrendering to the will of God in that area? When God says, I want to heal you, and you believe that and you receive that, you are surrendering to God's will in that area. And that's what the gospel is. And Thomas is an example of our of faith in John chapter 20. It, you might think that Thomas isn't a good example because he didn't believe first of all, but eventually when Jesus appeared to him, you know, Jesus said to him, uh, touch my fingers and so on. See if I'm real. And Thomas' response was, my Lord and my God. 
In other words, Thomas didn't just believe with his mind that Jesus was raised from the dead. He surrendered his will and accepted Jesus. He accepted his salvation, of course, but he also surrendered to him as his Lord and his God. And then Jesus commended him as a model of faith because he said, um, blessed, you are blessed because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So he said, you had some extra help, Thomas, but the thing is you believed. You believed, praise God. And his belief involved a surrender. And then he said, these things are now written that you may also believe, like Thomas, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And through believing, you may have life in his name. Believing is just not believing the facts of the gospel. Believing is not just believing a promise. Believing is about trusting the person who stands behind that promise. Only then is it a saving faith. Only then do you receive life in his name, when you trust in who he is, in his character. And so if you want to know if you have faith or not, you have to decide, do I know the promise? Then do I accept it as true? Then you have to keep on meditating on the promise and you need to meditate on the one who made the promise until you are fully persuaded. And when you're fully persuaded, then you'll be able to trust and yield the will, your will and receive the promise. Trust in him. It says about Sarah that she uh, received power. She was able to receive power to conceive because she judged him faithful who had promised. In other words, she evaluated God's pro character. She knew about God. And in the end, she was fully persuaded and she was able to trust. Abraham's the same. It said that he received the power from God because he uh, was fully persuaded that he who had promised was able to perform it. And so the power of God to be released through a faith that saves, there has to be, you have to be fully persuaded. Once you're fully persuaded about the promise and the one who made the promise, then you have to trust in him with all your heart and surrender your life to that promise. And then the power of God can flow. That's what faith is. It isn't formed in your heart until you... By an act of your will, you trust and surrender to the promise and the one who made that promise in your life. Do that now. Whatever you're trusting God for, you believe it, but also trust, surrender to that promise in your life. Surrender to Christ in your life if you haven't done that already. Put your trust in him for salvation and eternal life. Surrender to his will for your life and you will have the faith that connects with the power of God.